This podcast is not safe for work and will feature movie spoilers. It will feature scenes described of a graphic nature. It will contain language which most listeners may find offensive. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. To the podcast under the stairs. This is episode 477. I'm your host, Duncan McLeish. Welcome to the show. Yes, up on this, we have finally made it. This is officially our 10th anniversary as a podcast right today. And as we've been counting down over the last 10 days, this is the final entry in my top 10 favourite horror movies. Accurate as until midnight tonight, and then all bets are off. The number one coveted spot is of course something I've been uh, looking forward to getting to, mostly because I think if you've been listening to the podcast for the 10 years that we've been doing it, you probably know which one this is. I mean, I'd be very surprised if you didn't. But moreover, it's an opportunity for one, me to thank you guys again for all the support, and specifically those that have jumped over to this relatively new medium for us over on YouTube but also all the feedback and love you've shown this countdown series. You've followed us through for 10 days and that love, support and interaction on this platform has been kind of incredible. So, they say you should always save the best for last, but they also say you should let the audience kind of be left wanting more. And I don't really know how to top this one. This one to me is the pinnacle of horror cinema. This is the best Um, Now, granted, you will have been looking at my list and you will notice massive omissions and maybe those ones, like a cycle, for example, or a Rosemary's Baby, I could contest them probably easier on a top 10 best horror movies ever made. But when it comes to the faves, it's always going to go one way and that is with this very final movie. Ladies and gentlemen, the final movie we're discussing on this series is John Carpenter's The Thing from 1982. men have just discovered something. For 100,000 years, it was buried in the snow and ice. Now it has found a place to live, inside, where no one can see it, or hear it, or feel it. I know I'm human. Some of you are still human. This thing doesn't want to show itself. It wants to hide inside an imitation. It'll fight if it has to, but it's vulnerable out in the open. It takes us over. And it has no more enemies. Nobody left to kill it. And then it's one. You guys gonna listen to Gary? We can beat one of those things! 
So, John Carpenter's The Thing, 1982. Joining me on this review is... <laughs> my trusty iPad here. It's been keeping me right all the way through this. It has my IMDb on it, and it will save me having to head-scratch a synopsis. Um, let's give you the details, and let's get into our review. So... Uh, this one is directed, of course, by John Carpenter, the writers of Bill Lancaster, John W. Campbell Jr., a plethora of great cast in here. Kurt Russell, Wilford Brimley. Uh, we have David Keith, of course. I love me some David Keith. Uh, Richard Masur, T.K. Carter, David Clennon, Richard Dysart, Charles Hannan, uh, Peter Mahoney, uh, Donald Moffat, Joe Polis, Thomas G. Waits, Norbert Weiser, uh, there is the voice of Adrian Barbeau as the computer here, or as we like to know her, cheating bitch. Um, and of course, the synopsis, as listed on the IMDb's, a research team in Antarctica is hunted by a shape-shifting alien that assumes the appearance of its victims. iPad dim. This movie's been talked about ad nauseum. I mean, there's very few things that can be said about the thing that haven't already been said, but rather than kind of go around the usual things, uh, things, there's a lot of things, uh, rather than go down that road, I would much rather like to spend a bit of time discussing why it's on the top point of my favourites list. There is a nihilism in the thing that I gravitate towards in cinema. My favourite horror movies, for the most part, tend to have a common thread and in that they're not movies that necessarily end with the happy conclusion of anyone. They tend to be about vengeance, they tend to be about mistrust, they tend to be about despair, they tend to be about paranoia and I don't know what that says about me but that's always the sort of cinema I've gravitated towards specifically in horror. The thing is just like a, a very John Carpenter movie if you look at that guy's catalogue, for the most part, up until, I would say, up until he's run in the 90s, his movies tend to be, notwithstanding the occasional blip, A Big Trouble in Little China or something along those lines, tend to be more orientated towards a very, a very nihilistic look at how the world's going. A very cynical man is John Carpenter, and I love him for it. I really, really, really do. But he's never been one to toe the party line and leave audiences walking out the cinema with a spring in their step. They tend to be movies that deal with, at times, very complicated characters, um, but kind of ground them in real-world scenarios to the point that, and I'm saying real-world scenarios, and you're about to say, Duncan, this has an alien in it, but in scenarios where you can put yourself in the place of the hero. And he's very, very, very good at doing that as a director. Part of that is the, the his choice of casting has always been impeccable that way, but I think specifically in this one where you have such a rounded cast, I mean, Kurt Russell is definitely an MVP, but he is sharing the screen with some stalwarts of cinema here, and each of their characters' behaviours are something intrinsically on some level you can feel yourself going, oh yeah, I would totally lock that guy in a hut out the back, or I would totally think it was him because look at the evidence in his room oh yeah, I would totally want to make sure no one ever escaped here because I've done the math and this could be the end of the world. I understand all those motivations and that's kind of what sells the, the, the whole movie through for me. Any of those parts aren't necessarily as refined as they are, then ultimately I think the movie kind of becomes a bit cheesy and falls apart. 
And the thing for all intents and purposes, very much like Alien as well, are kind of science fiction horror movies that have weirdly managed to avoid that kind of campy, cheesy, kitschy, kind of modern look back on. They still retain a kind of almost a 70s feel in the delivery. 70s horror movies for the most part, even when they are going for a kind of... A, like something of a more comedic bent still come across as kind of sinister like the 70s were a dangerous place and the cinema reflects that the 80s are a more affluent sort of decade and as a result things get a bit silly from there but the thing seems to hold that kind of 70s like this movie is built on giant character actors and let's let's roll with it obviously the practical effects are what everyone talks about in the thing uh, interestingly enough, not when the movie came out. This movie was relatively panned um, by quite a lot of people and wasn't exactly seen by millions upon millions of people at the cinema. Maybe just a little bit too dark for 1982. I would have been one years old when this movie came out, so um, fun fun to think about at a time where people were going away and checking out movies like E.T. John Carpenter was like, uh -uh, not on my watch, here you go, have the thing. Um... Yeah, the, the effects are probably the pinnacle for what you could do practically and all the documentaries that I've ever covered how they did that kind of reverse camera work or you know specifically the way they tempered particular uh, materials in order to make them split or act a certain way is just genius it does kind of sound like it was kind of open to the special effects people to work their magic without a massive clear direction on what they were supposed to do. So kind of letting them use their creativity and their imagination to work hand in hand with John Carpenter to deliver something that once again still stands up. And yeah, there are moments where it gets a bit silly. I mean, the kind of bug head thing does look <laughs> a little bit cheesy. But I, you know, by that point, all bets are off. I've seen, I've seen stomachs open and like turn into giant mouths. I've seen dogs melt into kind of almost three-headed hydra. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's part and parcel of what makes this an incredible movie. It's runtime as well. I mean, this is a movie that does not go for any quick pacing at all. It's very measured. It's very deliberate and it deals in, in a weird way the runtime kind of almost parallels the idea of isolation that the characters have as well i think that that aids it it's a movie that i generally watch at night i generally watch when the colder weather comes in and i generally watch with some whiskey I, I, a, a nice glass of whiskey a couple of rocks ice in there sit down in the cinema room big tv let's get this movie on sit in isolation alone and mistrust the world um, it, it really, really, really works. And then there's the minor details that kind of stand out even more over on top of everything else I've mentioned. John Carpenter, first and foremost, is known for scoring his movies. That's what he does, and his scores are iconic and we love them. But, you know, his decision not to do his score for the thing and instead of it, give it to Ennio Morricone, who himself is the maestro of, of film scores but give it to him and then Morricone to actually sit there and write a score which is very indicative of what John Carpenter would have done anyway is kind of head scratching and at the same time absolutely incredible 
it just works. And it works so well. It shouldn't work, but it does. Like, Carpenter's scores go really well with his movies because I get the feeling that as he's writing the movies, he's writing the score. It's kind of in the back of his head. There's a motif or some sort of musical phrase, and he's like, that's going to work here. Or he's thinking of a song when he's filming a particular bit, very much like the, the, the kind of modern auteurs do, or whether that's uh, like a Tarantino or something. He's kind of, he has the score in his head as he's doing it. Like, John Carpenter will go away and then write the music to accompany it. In the case of this one, uh, Morricone delivers a very tempered, a very sobering, very sinister, um, dark score, which Morricone himself didn't actually ever write a score that sounded anything like this before or after. So it kind of stands out as being remarkable in his uh, discography, but at the same time, just really, 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 really interesting. So many weird choices here that, that, that kind of go hand in hand together. Uh, Carpenter obviously upset when this movie didn't connect and you can imagine why but time will out on these things the thing has like transcended I think all expectations of what he even thought it would be when he made it it is now regularly I'm not the only one that has it at the top of my list it's regularly topping horror lists everywhere and I think that's because it's a movie that took its time like a lot of Carpenter stuff took its time to find its audience and settle in and when it did that word of mouth that passion behind it has elevated it to more audiences that will enjoy it the thing was the first movie i ever saw on dvd it was the first movie i ever watched in blurry it's the first 4k yeah it was the first 4k that i watched as well on my new player and each time I've watched it in every medium, I marvel at the cinematography more and more. It's it's kind of phenomenal how well that's aged. And I mean, when you've got when you're carpenter and you've worked with with the best, Dean Cundy is a great example of that. Um, there's a level where you kind of almost take for granted. In a carpenter movie the cinematography is going to be great the score is going to be great it's going to be great acting in here but carpenter might be one of the most consistent and when you look at his back catalogue i could have very easily went in with halloween on my top 10 favorite list but i tried to where possible not keep just like picking my favorite directors argento got the double hitter because argento is my favorite director in horror um john carpenter is right behind him but yeah, there's a couple that we could have picked here, but the thing for me is a horror movie is his best. I know some people might think that is Halloween, but I think the thing works better as a horror movie. Um, it's him leveling up, it's him a few years on, a bit more confident, much bigger budget, and him tackling a subject matter that he widely, um, you know, has, has said in many, many interviews widely that this is, he, when he was a kid, he saw um, it came from outer space, it, like just it destroyed him as a kid he saw it far too young and it was always in the back of his head that he wanted to remake it and his remake is absolutely terrifying i can imagine like a whole generation of people that went through the john carpenter experience of going to see that at an age they shouldn't have and and then being scarred and then hopefully are we making horror movies as well uh, yeah the thing is to me the perfect horror movie i i love it even more i wish 
we would stop debating about the last shot in the movie. I wish John Carpenter would be left alone and not ask that question. Um, I like the idea that it could have... Well, any ending is actually relatively nihilistic, but I kind of like the, the idea of us not knowing. And that's part and parcel of the paranoia that the characters have themselves, thus transference from the actors in the role to the audience themselves. Um, over in the dying embers of, of a flame in the cold. My number one pick is, of course, The Thing. I hope you've enjoyed this series. I hope you've enjoyed this mini-review. Like I say, I've reviewed The Thing on podcasts under the stairs about five times now. That I don't really want to spend any more time going through it scene by scene. But rather, once again, link into the theme of these ten movie reviews, which is why they are my favourites, and this one being top of the list. Once again, thank you for all the support following this series all the way through. Without you guys, it wouldn't exist. My podcast wouldn't exist. And a happy birthday to us, 10 years old, um, as a horror podcast. Over 1,200 episodes in the back catalogue. Not that many on the YouTubes. And if you have been checking us out over here, thank you very much. All feedback, always welcome. And um, yeah, hit subscribe and that way you get more content as we bring it. We will be bringing you more stuff on YouTube moving forward. Uh, but yeah, please leave us a comment. Let us know, what do you think of The Thing? If you're checking us out on Spotify, then it's the same idea. You can either listen to us on video or audio. And there's a question there, what do you think of The Thing? Please answer that as well. Look forward to reading those comments. Make sure you're subscribed over there as well. And then lastly, if you're listening to us on any of the podcatchers in audio format, hit subscribe. That way you get everything we're doing and everything moving forward. And thank you very much for your support. So for the last time in this mini-series, all that's left for me to say is thanks again, and wherever you are, whatever the time zone is, and whatever you're up to in this big bad world of ours, this is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from Under the Stairs, and I am signing off. Hi everyone, this is Duncan McLeish from the podcast Under the Stairs, and I want to thank you, that's right, you, for hanging around, sticking the course, staying subscribed, um, lurking in the background, occasionally dropping in, posting things on the Facebook group page, sending emails, sending voicemails, sending messages on Messenger, but most importantly, downloading and listening to the podcast under the stairs. Today is our 10th anniversary. Today is 10 years of podcasts under the stairs, hashtag 10 years of teapots, and it's kind of surreal. I, uh, I'm kind of struggling to get my head around the fact that we have been doing this now for 10 whole years as of today. So this show, I've said it many times before, would not be here if it wasn't for you guys. The myriad of podcasters who have jumped on at the show reviewed movies, bullshitted with me, taking part in some of my most maniacal, weird and at times incomprehensible series ideas and just being super cool. This Facebook group page that you're seeing this video on is, I've said many times and I will continue to say it, the greatest achievement to come out of podcast under the stairs, a tolerant, cool, fun, quirky and personable place that we have carved out on one of the most toxic platforms on the planet. And that's because of you guys. Uh, more importantly, I want to thank Baz for continuing to show up and doing what he does, which is effortlessly entertain me 
on episode after episode. So yeah, this is 10 years of teapots. Later today, you'll be getting the very final instalment of my top 10 favourite horror movies. Accurate as up until midnight tonight. And then it's all fucking whichever way I want to put it after that. But yeah, thank you very much for checking out the show. Much love. And uh, yeah, I look forward to bringing you hopefully many more years of content to come in the future. Take care. Bye.